Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. And yes, we made it back to another it. another edition of Middle Age Warriors. I'm Chris Cimino. Mr. Rick Summers, how are you feeling on this hey, beautiful I'm good. day? Actually? You know what? I got to tell you, I'm always amazed at this technology. I know I sound like a bit of a, a geek, but I got to dino- Or a dinosaur, maybe. <laughs> or a dinosaur. Well, that's and that's more to my speaking, because I do feel it's just amazing when this works, because so often it doesn't. And we're frustrated beyond belief, which I think is how we started off the show a year and a half ago, just scratching our heads. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you, you'd be surprised, but you are still at this age capable of learning. It's just that at first, <laughs> I, I think, you know, well, there's a resistance as, as we reach a certain age, I think, speaking to middle-aged warriors, learning new things. Uh, I, I don't think we have the patience for it. We we think we're supposed to pick it up instantly and it all works and it, it just magically happens. And we don't understand why it doesn't. I think we're both learning that we can still learn. And that's kind of- I got a question of, for you. Know, you. Have you ever mm-hmm. picked up anything instantly? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a glass of wine. No. Um, <laughs> Good answer. I don't, Good yeah, answer. I mean, very rarely, I, you know, a couple of things maybe when I was younger, I would try. And early on, I was- pretty quickly okay with it not stellar but no i i'm a i i need time to learn i'm a note taker i like to make sure i, I write all the steps down and that type of thing before i learn yeah finally go in yeah no i i i always feel bad when i when i don't get it and i think honestly that uh, i don't know if it's getting older i don't know if it's medication i don't know if it's 70s drug use and I don't mean the age, I mean the 1970s. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. <laughs> but uh, I, just, I just don't feel like I absorb things very well. I think that comes with the territory a little bit, though. And not only absorbing things, but forgetting the things we absorbed has also become an issue. Yeah. You know, and, and I was with people the other day that were actually in their 40s, and I've, I'm watching them grasp names and things and trying to recall. I'm like, oh, I don't feel so bad now. It's yeah. Like, this is okay then. But, I always uh, joke yeah. around that it's, it's like I watch the Rolodex in their mind spinning around and smoke coming out of their ears. And it's <laughs> you can like, kind of see it. Oh, yeah, you can see it. But I mean, again, intuitively, we are not tech people. You know, the, the next generation, let's even say kids who are six, seven, eight years old now, they're born into this thing. Their mind instantly knows how to pick something up and, and figure it out. It, it's just the way it is we are not wired that way because when we were younger, this stuff didn't exist. So, you know, you have to get, I think we should give ourselves some slack is what I'm saying. Well, I like what you said. Have you ever picked up anything? <laughs> Maybe a disease or something along no, the way, but a, no, a glass uh, of wine is, was a yeah. great answer. That's I can always pick that up quickly. Certainly. So, so here uh, we are yeah. at the end of October. Actually, Actually it's, it, it's, it's the start November. of November. <laughs> oh my God. Speaking of months. <laughs> yeah. Forget it's it. hard to believe we're in November and, uh, and, and moving the clocks, baseball season's over. Hockey season is and basketball season are well underway. Football season is whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, my, my team, I, well, although they had a big upset, the jets uh, this past oh, week, yeah. but yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, the World Series was pretty underwhelming. And, you know, being a Met fan, also not a Brave fan, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, for that matter, I used an Astro fan. So I don't know, it just kind of came and went. It was funny because, you know, when they said, well, the, the last time the Braves won was 1995. And you realize, wow, that, that's, you know, that's a long time ago. ago. It's a long time ago. I guess it was because they were always in the playoffs, even into the 2000, 2000s. It seemed like they had won more World Series, but they really didn't. And then yeah. after 95, then the Yankees kind of, you know, went on their thing. So, yeah. Um, and the other thing you brought up, the changing the clocks. We oh, fall yeah. Back. So yeah, you, have, it's you interesting. have a different view. Yeah, you have a different view than I do. I do. Well, it used to be, to me, the most depressing day of the year when it started to get dark at 445, or depending upon where you were. Hmm. And it was just, I just hated it. I really... I thought, oh, man, I don't want to deal with six months of this or however many months it is. But I have to tell you, now that I'm older and not as mobile, don't have the energy that I used to have, when it gets dark earlier, it's almost like the curtain's coming down on the Broadway show. And it's like, okay, now's the time for the applause. And let me pick up that glass of wine. <laughs> I don't feel as bad about it getting dark earlier. Yeah, see, now, now I'm probably more the opposite and have become more so since I'm not, you know, I wasn't doing, you know, early mornings for the last couple of years for 20, almost 25 years. Plus, I would get up early in the morning, which meant I had to go to bed fairly early. So I didn't mind it getting dark at 430 because if I had to go to bed at 730, 8 o'clock, it was dark already for three hours. And so in my head, I'm like, hey, this is well into the night. So, you know, I'm not... I'm not missing anything by going to bed at eight o'clock. However, when the sun, you know, stays up until seven thirty-eight plus, then you feel like, oh man, I want to stay out here a little bit longer. But I have to tell you, to me, it's depressing because now, not only does the darkness come by four thirty in the afternoon, the leaves are bare, the leaves fall off the tree, the trees are bare. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's not. I feel like I live less when there's more darkness. But again, yeah. it's your choice of what comforts you. And I respect yeah. that. And uh, the truth of the matter is, in a few months, it'll be spring again, which is unbelievable. <laughs> you know, I'm just, stop the world. I want to get off. It's just moving way, way too fast. Well, it's not going to stop for you, Rick. I hate to, I don't want to burst your bubble and, you know, let you in on a little secret. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Talking <laughs> about anyway. stopping for you. And we have a, yeah. a really, really interesting guest. Yeah, so our guest today, you actually, uh, I guess you saw her on CBS um, this morning, which is a yeah. great show uh, that a lot of folks watch every morning. I know you're a loyal viewer of that. Yeah. And her name is Amy Pickard. So give us a little background as to what you saw that, you know, said, hey, she'd be a great guest. What, what was going on when you saw her? Well, she was lively and she was talking about death in a different sense, prepping people for their death. Um, but more so from a selfish standpoint of when somebody dies and you don't have passwords and you don't have mm. IDs and things that you need, it's just become such, I don't want to say an inconvenience, but it's just so worrisome trying to make sure that you cover all the bases uh, besides dealing with grieving. So Amy uh, founded a business called Good to Go. I decided to track her down, which I did. No, I mean, I, I like I like the concept good to go, because, as you said, and I think a lot of folks even listening in have experienced it. Yes, it's an inconvenience. It's just a lot of work and a lot of work, as you pointed out, at a time 
when you're you're mourning the loss of this you're emotionally person. taxed yeah i think uh, you know most folks realize the day is going to come but yet they don't do the work to be ready for it and i think that's what we're going to find out in this interview but first uh, let's uh, check in with our sponsor of course that is bet online we're back and better than ever New web interface now for the start of the uh, basketball season, which is getting underway nicely, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season, and of course, much, much more. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-B-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball is now over, but they're already making projections for next year's teams in the World Series. NHL, boxing, UFC rights to your favorite Vegas casino games, you name it. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you, Chris. And wow, what a treat this is because, you know, on Sunday mornings, a lot of people wake up, they turn on uh, the TV, they make their coffee, then they get ready and head out the door and go to church. (laughs) Not my style, not what I do. But what I do on Sunday morning is typically turn on the TV, have my coffee and watch uh, CBS Sunday Morning, which is the show I have watched for years. It is must-see TV. And a couple of weeks ago, I was so blown away by a guest that they had. And I was lucky enough to be able to, through the internet, track her down and lasso her and welcome her to Middle Age Warriors. Her name is Amy Pickard. And Amy is coming to us uh, via the internet from Los Angeles, California. I want to welcome you. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be stalked. Yes. <laughs> stalked in a casual way. And yes. and there's a reason I stalked you. And that is because uh, the, the feature that you uh, presented on CBS this morning, I think is brilliant. And what it really relates to is those of us who are in middle age who are dealing with parents who are getting older or dying and having to pick up the mess and really that's the that's the bottom line the mess and amy uh founded a business a few years ago and it's called good to go and i laugh from my comic standpoint because i think that sounds like you know it would be a great enema commercial or something I'm sorry that that's really cruel, but good to go is basically like a a checklist. And I don't want to say for death because it's really for the people who were behind, but uh, for uh, everybody who has to care for. And Amy, this was born out of uh, and you and I talked the other day uh, off the air, Um, but this was born out of an experience you had. Tell me, tell us, the middle aged warriors, what this was like. Yeah, well, um, I was a freelance television producer, broadcaster, host, presenter in television and radio, living here in Los Angeles. And then my mom died unexpectedly in 2012. And that just completely shifted my whole world. And it was the first major death that I had ever experienced. And she was my best friend, my biggest cheerleader. So 
it was just uh, so overwhelming and traumatizing, frankly. And then um, I flew to Chicago to clean out her place, but mainly to just search for any kind of will or instructions because, uh, you know, my mom was dead. The coroner was holding her body, uh, waiting for instructions from me. And so even though I was close with my mom and I knew she wanted to be cremated, I mean, obviously I wanted to find the paperwork that said that, you know, right. and so. <laughs> That's a um, mistake you really don't want to make, I think. Right. You know, and, and it was so awkward because I was like, uh, can you put my mom on ice a little longer, Mr. Coroner? <laughs> you know, I mean, it just was so bizarre. And uh, when I got to her condo in Chicago, I opened the door and, you know, and that's where mom and love and pie and comfort is. And it was my first time opening that door where she wasn't going to be on the other side of it. And uh, the thing that struck me was, you know, as I fumbled for the light switch was, oh, shit, I've got to figure out what the name of the power company is in Chicago, because I've got to stay here the next couple of days. I've got to make sure that the lights are paid. And I don't even know what the name of the electric company is here. Boy. And, you know, that is just one of the billion questions that come up, you know, uh, in the death duties. And I realized that nobody prepared me for this. And it just was put on my heart that I've got to help others uh, and prevent others from going through the nightmare that I went through. And so I uh, took about a year and a half and I wrote a 50 page booklet called The Departure File. And it includes every single, you know, question that came up that I didn't have her to answer for me. It has all the logistics of the stuff that you're not going to put in a will. You know, you're not going to put your pet instructions or if your exactly. pet allergies or hiding places or things like, you know, and so I just was really thorough. And then I also, because I'm a hippie, I added a little life after legacy bit in the booklet <laughs> that, you know, it just, it covers a history of your joy instead of just a history of your bills because right. when well, my listen, before we go any further, I want you to just throw out your website because I think that's really important. And then we'll get back to talking about this. But oh, you know, sure. anybody anybody that's got that short attention span, I want to make sure they get the important information. So go ahead. Yeah, my website's goodtogopeace.org and it's all spelled out. And uh, my socials for Instagram and Facebook are uh, at goodtogopeace, all spelled out. And uh, anybody can reach me at Amy, uh, good to go at gmail.com. Yeah. And the other thing is that good to go is G, is it G O O D number two? No, G it's G O O D T O G O, peace, oh, peace and love. Okay. So it's all spelled out. Oh, okay. For those of us who can't spell, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> And that's that's my mother's legacy. <laughs> I would ask her, Mom, how do you spell this? She'd say, look it up. Yeah. And I'd say, if I could look it up, I'd know how to spell it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So how long did you have to, um, pardon the, the, the crassness of this, but keep Mom on ice before you could make decisions yeah. and move forward? Um, I think we had her 
at the coroner's for about four to five days because um, I had to, you know, book my flight from Los Angeles and get there and, you know, all those things. And, you know, I joke that I wished that I could, you know, just speak to my mom one more time. And it wasn't, you know, to have her say, I love you. It was, you know, where the hell is your car title? And yeah. <laughs> what the hell yeah. is the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> my God, you know what? And it's, it's stuff that we just, it's the minutiae we don't think about and is I've so often said, you know, well, there's no textbook for growing older. There's no roadmap. Right. And you basically took the initiative. And I think it's brilliant if I may say so, because I've lived through this myself recently and in the past, but you developed a roadmap for people who will have a place to go and say, God, we better do this. We better check that. And uh, talk a little bit about that workbook because I looked at it and it's pretty comprehensive. <laughs> and it can be overwhelming. You know, yeah. uh, when I, when I, uh, you know, go over my consultations with people, I always describe the look, <laughs> which is after they open the booklet and then they just look up at me like, hold me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I took a look at it on my computer last night and I was like, oh my goodness. And how many pages? It's like 48 pages or something yeah, like that. Just, it's a little over 50 pages. Because yeah, usually... yeah. It's but they're they're important questions that need to be answered. And I'm sure that you, because you've had so many death duties uh, and, you know, cleaned out houses of all of your loved ones. I mean, did you think that you were pretty prepared for the most part, like your basics? And then you open up the departure file and you're like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, to be honest with you, um, there are a lot of questions that I didn't even think of before uh, people passed. But the, the other issue is they didn't want to volunteer the information they were like you know thinking as we all do us middle-agers right we're going to live forever and they didn't want to acknowledge the fact that their demise was imminent and i know that sounds rather bleak and i'm a, generally a pretty upbeat guy but uh, my social work background has taught me that time to take a pill and be realistic about you know what you're facing and man uh 20 years ago, before I had any education and had to deal with any real death in our family, um, I was tasked with cleaning out an aunt's house who was kind of estranged from the family mm -hmm. uh, in Hackensack, New Jersey, which was a little bit of a distance from where I was. And I was like, I don't want any of this stuff. I just want to I just want to <laughs> I just want to get it off my plate. It's like working at a law firm and the associates walk in on Friday afternoon when you say, oh, I'm so looking forward to the weekend. He says, well, I need this by Monday morning and you're going to have to pull all nighters Friday and Saturday and Sunday night to get it done. And that's basically what cleaning out her house where she had lived for, I don't know, like 50 years had done. And she was in her 80s and just not really capable of of keeping the house neat never mind the fact that we had to think about the reverse mortgage and getting the house sold and and everything else and that's why your piece and your concept of good to go really spoke to me and i know it speaks to so many because shows we've done in the past on stuff and right. this isn't even about stuff but it is 
It kind of is. I mean, after cleaning out three homes of my dead rallies, I realized, you know, it makes you think about what makes up a life and what do we choose to bring forward with us when we move and, uh, you know, why do we hang on to certain things? And that's why I encourage, my, um, you know, my clients and anybody who's listening to this to, uh, regardless if you have elderly parents or whatever, you know, like clean out your homes with your loved ones. If you have elderly parents, clean it out with them, you know, and it creates new memories. Everybody gets on the same page. It's actually fun. And um, everyone knows, you know, what stays, what goes and the stories behind them. And also it just makes it easier if your elderly parents eventually have to downsize if one of them you know, suddenly is in the hospital and has to be admitted to an uh, assisted living facility or whatever. It's like you've already downsized, you've already cleaned out the place and everybody's on the same page, you know. But like you said, it is a tough, tough subject. And uh, most people fear that if they start their advanced planning, that for some reason they're superstitious, they feel that instantly the Grim Reaper is going to come down and get them. Right, right, right. And, you know, planning isn't prophecy. You know, when you sign up for car insurance, you don't instantly get into a car accident, you know. Hopefully so it's not. Like, yeah, yeah. So come on, people, you know. And, yeah, no, and it's. You start thinking about death, you live your life more fully and more presently and more joyously. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, from a cynical standpoint, I saw somebody on, uh, I don't know, one of the shows the other day, it says, hey, listen, the day you're born is the day we start dying. And it's like, wow, okay. But there yeah. is some truth to that. I mean, you know, nobody lives forever, though I do have a gentleman that used to be a tenant in our apartment in New York City who is now living in Norfolk, Virginia, I believe, and he just turned 107 years old. Wow. And he's sharper than I am. I mean, wow. it's amazing to me. And uh, it's it's really incredible. But none of us is going to live forever. And that's OK. We're not supposed to. Well, first of all, society, you know, doesn't want to deal with death, doesn't want to face that we're all mortal. And so that's kind of pesky. Yeah. But, you know, uh, we're not taught about end of life options and having the talk and palliative care and hospice care and things like that, you know, and I just feel like if we can talk about these things, it obviously will be less scary. And, you know, my dad uh, saw what I went through with my mom and my granny. And I said to him, you know, after cleaning out two houses, I said, I can't clean out your house with you dead. I said, we've got to do it together while you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> so we just, we ordered a pizza and we started going through his desk which took five hours. It just took five hours, just his desk in a home. Oh my good, you know? yeah. But we put on fifties music. We ordered pizza, you oh. know, and he, he said to me, he says, wow. And we had a great time and we laughed and, and he said, Oh, I can see why you want to do this with me here instead of me gone. And I'm yeah, like, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. That's the brilliance of this. And the other thing is, and I, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it, but a lot of this, always falls on one person in the family. 
Even yeah. if the family is a big family, it seems that one person gets saddled with, and I hate to call it responsibility, but it, it actually is a great responsibility. And it's a lot of pressure and a lot of sweating. And that fell on you, right? Yeah, in all three instances, you know, and, um, you know, not to hop on the cross because I know everybody needs the wood, but I was single as well. So, <laughs> so it was just me, you know, and so it was me pro not only processing death, but then having to be a detective, a floral designer, a travel agent, a cleaner, a shipper, a, you know, yeah. a personal assistant without the personal assistance, yeah. <laughs> you know. All those things. I mean, who thinks about this stuff? You know, like when you're in your 20s or 30s and we're getting older and our parents are getting older and their siblings are getting older. And all of a sudden, the reality sinks in that you've got real life decisions to make. And I'm trying to empower people to let them know that they do have control to a certain extent over the end. And they just aren't aware of the things that they can be in control of. And, you know, as a, as a fellow rock and roll music fan, as I know that you are Rick from uh, mm -hmm. our chat before, um, you know, I bet you never really thought about, well, what sound do I want to hear when I die? What would I like my sonic will? And your, your answer is? Well, I mean, if I had known about a sonic will when my dad was in the ICU, I would have actually like played sounds of fishing and, you know, a gentle cast and the whir of the, you know, reeling in and the waves lapping against the boat. I think he would have absolutely loved that because he was a yeah. fisherman, but I didn't think of it at that time. I, I hadn't learned about a sonic will. And so now I, I literally just told, you know, in my departure file, I said what I wanted to listen to and, you know, my instructions hopefully will be followed. I have to ask you because that's the first time I've heard the term sonic will. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, it's, it's literally just if you were on your deathbed, you know, because uh, hearing is the last sense to go, apparently, you know, theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, what would you, <laughs> yeah, what would you like to listen to, you know, what words of comfort would you like to hear? And of course, in the good to go parties, as I'm saying this, my dad raises his hand and he says, how about you're not friggin' dying? That's what I'd like to hear. <laughs> but, but, a, but a sonic will is basically, you know, what uh, do you want to listen to music? I mean, who knows? Maybe you're a big baseball fan and your favorite memory is going to a baseball game with your dad. And so you play that old World Series, the audio of that. Or if you were a professional basketball player, maybe play the playoffs or something like that, you know, audio wise. That's amazing I, I love yeah. that idea and to pre-think it is great um when were you with your dad when he passed by any chance I wasn't and I did that on purpose because huh. I was with him in the ICU but then they had to put him in a rotoprone bed and put him in a uh, medically induced coma yeah and uh I if I went to visit him I would literally have had to have laid down on the floor to look up at him and to talk to him and i just thought i don't want to remember my dad that way you know yeah i understand and Though he I, will, it. I will tell you as i've uh, gotten older uh one of the greatest memories uh, that sounds really weird 
considering what's coming next. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I feel best about in my heart, my mom was uh, in a hospital in New York and dealing with stage four ovarian cancer in the early 2000s. And the doctor said on Friday, uh, I, I don't, I don't think she, and we looked at her will and it, she didn't want to be on a, you know, a ventilator and stuff. And she said, I don't think she's going to have much longer. So you have a decision to make it. So I had to make a decision mm -hmm. to basically not unplug her, but whatever the medical term is. And I sat with her for three hours and watched while she died and actually gave her permission to go. And I remember that and think to myself, thank goodness I had that opportunity. I really feel okay about that. Unlike my father, who who I never got to say goodbye to. He just died instantly of a heart attack. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I love that you were able to have that healing experience. I mean, I did let my dad know that if he wanted to fight this, because he had pneumonia and sepsis and everything. And, and I said, if you want to fight this, we are here with you. But if you're just too tired, that's okay too, you know? So it was important for me to give him permission. But I just want to share a quick story that a hospice worker told me when I was taking care of my granny in the nursing home. Okay. Um, I had never met anyone that had anything to do with hospice. And so my first uh, chat with her was, Hey, why is it that when someone is dying, you know, the family is keeping vigil. And then the second that they like go to the cafeteria for a cup of coffee or go yeah. home for a shower, I hear this dies. coming. Yeah. I, I hear and, it um, coming. And I said, how sad is that? And she said, no, we look at it as the opposite. She said, yeah. you know, when someone's dying and they've got the friends and family, that's energy around that person that is like, stay, stay. We don't want to live without you. And so uh, as soon as they leave, that person is like, phew, I'm out of here. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, really. It's like, yeah. check, please. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel, you know, because I talked to so many clients who were not there when their loved one died and in their minds, they are thinking I needed to be there. I feel so bad. And yet the hospice person said to me that when the person goes, they are so rock solid in your love that yeah. they feel that they can go without you there. You were not needed there to uh, send them on their journey. And uh, maybe they didn't want you there. Maybe they want you to remember them in a different way. And yeah. so it just kind of flipped the script for me because so when now I feel, especially with COVID, when I heard of so many people quote dying alone um, without their family there, I feel like, yes, they died alone without family, but they didn't die alone. They had these beautiful, beautiful souls of nurses and doctors who were holding their hands and wishing yeah. them the and taking care of them. And, and I spoke to a nurse who was looking after my dad and, and she said, if I were, if I were you and I was in the same position, I wouldn't come and visit him in his final hours because yeah. you know, he's out of it and you're just gonna be traumatized for the rest of your life with that image, you know? And so, uh, I, I really trusted her and, and I believed that I sent him along his, you know, way in my own way. I felt that if I could meditate and just quietly send him some love and some peace that he could go peacefully. And he did. We're a bit away from wrapping up, but I want you to pitch your, uh, your, your business and, and what I think is a brilliant discovery and invention. And that is good to go. And can you just 
uh, talk about that a little bit more as far as, as, as how valuable it is for people who are reeling when somebody passes? Well, it just, I mean, if you've got all the answers or most of the answers that you need. <laughs> all in, the answers, yes. <laughs> yeah, in the death duties, then that allows for valuable, precious energy and brain space to focus on what is real, what is most important, and that is love and peace and healing you know you are in this wilderness of grief and you're tasked with the death duties and you can't overestimate your fortitude it's down to you you've got to do things so no matter how sad or how tired or angry or whatever you know when you are in grief in the in the heavy heavy days of grief no matter what you still have to complete these you know tasks and so um, once, you know, I did the departure file, I thought, well, how can I get this across to people who are young and healthy? Because I want people to plan while they're young and healthy before it's too late, because a lot of people wait until it's too late and then it's really awkward, you know? Yeah. And so I thought, well, let's do this in a party atmosphere. Cause I've got a positive, you know, sense of humor and I'm a positive person and, I can share my stories with humor because my parents were really friggin' funny and, you know, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of gallows humor. And so I just thought, well, let's make it fun. So everybody brings a potluck dish to share based on a recipe from a loved one. And, uh, we play a rock and roll death theme soundtrack in the background, like stairway to heaven and another one bites the <laughs> dust and, uh, stuff like that. And, um, you know, uh, knocking on heaven's door. And then it takes about three hours when we just go through the departure file and talk about why you need to fill out certain stuff, why you need to have the conversations, how you can start the conversations with your elderly parents or with your kids, grown kids, or even with your spouse. And so if I can make this very serious buttoned up issue a little more easy for people. That's that's my goal is to make it as easy as and kind of pain free as possible to get this necessary stuff done. Because and that that's what I think is such a beautiful thing that you're that you've done, and uh, I'm hoping that people will take advantage of uh, what you put together so creatively, so emotionally, and. As uh, Jerry Garcia said, and I'm not a big Grateful Dead fan, but what a long, strange trip it's been, right? I mean, I never in a million years thought I would go from the rock and roll girl to the death girl. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good die young. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm fun at parties, Rick. Seriously. I mean, everybody, especially in Los Angeles, where aging is illegal, people right. move walk away from me at every function. <laughs> Aging is illegal, you know, and it's funny because when we talked uh, pre-interview, I said, do you do stand up comedy? Because <laughs> because there is a lot of funny stuff in death and, and there were a lot of laughs to be had in all the deaths that I've been through in the past, yeah. I don't know, the past couple of decades. So are you afraid of death? I'm not. Um I'm really not because I feel like just from the, my research and from, from, you know, people I've talked to and, and stuff that I've read about, 
it just feels like, I mean, I'm a big fan of napping and it is a pickered, <laughs> it is a pickered legacy. And so <laughs> we can sleep anywhere. Welcome, welcome to middle age. Yeah. Right. And, and I just look at death as just like the best nap. Like when you are bone <laughs> tired, you know, and you yeah. just, and, and you just want to nap and there's nothing in your schedule. There's nowhere you need to be. And you know that you've got like your comfy jammies, the perfect sleeping temperature in your room. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. then you just go to sleep. And it's, I think Ram Dass said that it was like taking off an ill-fitting shoe. Yeah. And I just feel that that's what it is, you know? And um, I personally definitely believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And so I do feel that our soul lives on and that, um, and I know for a fact that love is eternal, like nothing, when you're on your deathbed, the only thing that you should be thinking about is love and not, you know, scrambling to give a password or an iPhone lock code or, <laughs> you know, the secret or whatever, you know, it should just be who you loved and who loved you. And that's it. I am so glad that you've had the chance to join us because <clears throat> I think that this is of utmost importance as we all are getting older. Nobody's getting younger. And no. as my wife likes to say to me, nobody gets out of here alive. And you can't take it with you, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. definitely yeah. I encourage people to downsize and just to keep this conversation of advanced planning going, you know, mm -hmm. just keep it going. And so then when something does happen to you, your loved ones will know immediately. I mean, my dad came to a good to go party a year before he died. We didn't know he was going to die. Right. And in the six days when he was in the ICU, I did not have to make one single scary decision or gut-wrenching decision. I just, I knew exactly what he wanted. And that allowed us to just focus on, you know, being together. And I was able to say to him and hold his hand and kiss his forehead and say, you know, the privilege of a lifetime was being your daughter. And thank you. Oh. And I love you, you know, oh. and it wasn't, you know, quick, give me that password. Where's your spare key to the garage? <laughs> oh. And this is why I think you would have been a great stand-up comedian. It may still be. Yeah, why not? I mean, does the comedy store want to call me up? I'll do a one-woman show about death and grief. Sign me up. <laughs> Listen, I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to contribute because yes, thank uh, you. we've all had enough experience, especially going through the past eighteen months, couple of years. Mm, yeah. uh, but I hope that uh, life in LA is treating you well. And uh, what an absolute joy to talk to you. And I feel like I have uh, in talking with you found somebody that I've known on some level for a long time um, who just has a great attitude about life and death. Well, that's so lovely of you to say. And I definitely felt connected to you when we talked and, and I'm an extrovert. And I always say that, you know, strangers are just friends I haven't met yet, you know, and so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that we uh, connected. And uh, I look forward to if you come to, out to L.A. or if I get to New York, we'll have to hang out. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll 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 do a, a death tour. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Mega death. Wait a sec. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that 
that's so not I'm so not that rock and roller. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Amy Pickard, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll be in touch, I promise. Thank you, Rick. Take care. Bye bye. Well, I got to tell you, she is just she's a pistol. I really enjoyed talking with her. And yeah, she's, <laughs> she's got a lot to say about yeah, a lot to say. Yeah. But uh, in, in person, the, the personality, she, I've never heard anybody talk about death in such a bubbly way. <laughs> really, truly. It's uh, you know, like, hey, this death thing doesn't sound so bad. If you just listen, if you're just listening to her tone and her and her cadence and, and her energy. It's uh, I love when I asked her, are, are you afraid of death? And she goes, no, no. I'm looking at it kind of like the perfect nap. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. That brilliant. is a great brilliant. Yeah, no, I really like her. And I think we will talk to her again down the road because I really believe in what she's doing. And uh, I think her business is great. And I hope that a lot of uh, our our people who are tuned in will check it out because I think it's really worthwhile. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a it's a great idea to start chipping away at these things and getting these things in place sooner as opposed to later because it later it becomes so overwhelming and as we pointed out earlier even before the interview that it, at that point you're dealing with such an emotional weight that your ability to process and do these other things it's just not there you don't have the same focus so get it done when you can it was funny when she was talking about that i love that booklet that she's put together right it's like 48 50 pages whatever it is but <laughs> she goes, people open it and then their eyes look up at her like are you kidding? There's all of this. This is what, you know, but it, but it's true. And I think it's a wake up call for a lot of people. You know, I know it was for me, you know, did I send you the book or not? The book I have list? not seen it. No, I, I will seen send it, but... it to you. And it is, it's, it's staggering. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah. Oh my God, it may take me till the time I'm ready to die to fill it all out. Cause it's a lot of, yeah. a lot of paperwork, but it's really valuable information and Absolutely. stuff that you just don't think about. And why would you? I'm glad you were able to get Amy. She was kind enough to give us some of her time yeah. uh, to share uh, that kind of thing and that information, where to go to get more information to uh, make it a little bit easier. Speaking of uh, something taking so long to complete and get done, this weekend uh, coming up is the New York City Marathon, which one of us has completed, certainly. Yeah. Uh, it's not me. I know. <laughs> uh, I've watched you know, quite a few. <laughs> yeah, well, you know something, I used to watch it. And then one day in the uh, 90s, I said, you know what, I wonder what it'd be like to do this. And the guy I used to go to college with worked for the Leukemia Society and said, hey, I can get you in the marathon if you ever want to do it. And I thought, okay. And basically what you do is go on as a fundraiser for the leukemia team and training. Oh, and, you, okay. you know, you basically say to them, uh, yeah, I will be able to get a couple of thousand dollars to contribute and once you do that it's kind of like you're not turning back you know what are you going to be an asshole and and, and say to the leukemia society nah, yeah, i right. can't do this right so, now you're in now you're yeah in. you really are in and it's i gotta tell you it changed my life it really did. really yeah, yeah. I, I know that sounds corny but i just uh, i think about crossing the finish line at Tavern on the Green in New York. And I wouldn't run just any marathon because really, I don't really love running that much. But I thought if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in New York. Right. And yeah. it was great. And it did not disappoint. And it kicked my ass. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I marvel at, the training. I, I was never, I was always a sprinter type runner. I was never, ever a long distance guy. It made me want to vomit if I hit like, you know, two miles. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but to watch people train, and I had one of my, my best friends, who was my best man, actually, my wedding. I think he ran it two or three times. And I would watch him train. I'm like, were you crazy? And But I guess the dedication to it and the way you talked about changing your life Yes, it's just it's just a race, uh, but it proves something. I'm sure. I, I would I would think going in the beginning, you're like, am I out of my mind? Am I really going to be able to do this? Yeah. And then as you as you train, you probably had good days and bad days. You thought, oh, I got this, and then maybe, oh, I don't have I this. Don't got this. <laughs> yeah, and, and then and then you do it and you complete it. And I have to even say, as an onlooker there, being you know live. I was shocked at what I felt when I got to an area not you know, fairly close to the finish line, maybe about a couple of miles from the finish line. And as I watched the runners go by and you hear the crowd and the energy, like the hair on my arms stood up. It Aww. was an amazing, it was like, holy mackerel, this is it, like tears fill your eyes. Like this is something special. And you're looking at all of the faces of these people and people come from all walks of life to do this. Yeah. There are some that are so-called professional runners, if you will, without being professional, but but there many are not. Doctors, lawyers, sanitation worker, it could be anybody. And it's just amazing. Disc jockeys. <laughs> yeah. And it's just amazing to see that collection and that drive and that determination. So uh, you know, hats off to all of them. I, I think it's amazing. And and your story is, you know, I'm glad you got to do it. And I, yeah, me I, too. I've seen the pictures. It's really awesome. I, yeah, really in retrospect, when you look back on your life, uh, as we talked about doing with Amy, um, it, it's something that you're proud of. And once you do it, they can't take it away from you. Right, right. You know? No, and, and it, it's something that it, it's a bit of a legacy. It's a really kind of a cool thing to have. You know, it's a it's a medal of honor in its own way. Yeah. In that case, uh, I don't want this to turn to a marathon. I, I, I don't <laughs> know if you, <laughs> you have anything else to say. I'm uh, I'm a little spent. I have to nah. I have to think about what we just heard. So, you know, and yeah, uh, and, you got to start filling out that paperwork. Yeah, I know. I feel like, uh, you know, kind of sticking it to my kids. But no, no, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they uh, deserve it. This is payback for everything I've done for them. I know. Really. Uh, but no, but uh, but but really, that was some good advice. All right. Thanks. With that. Yes, I will say uh, stay well, stay smart. Sunshine always be good. Feel good. He's Chris Amino. I'm Rick Summers. This is Middle-Aged Warriors on the Believe Podcast Network, and we love the fact that you check us out. Thank you. And again, BetOnline, the sponsors of Middle-Aged Warriors. Thank you, BetOnline. And we're out. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.